Let's begin with prayer. Holy Father, thank you for this evening. Uh, thank you uh, for our fellow believers uh, that we can gather together in peace and open up your word uh, to grow in the knowledge of you and of your son. I pray that your spirit would be with us and uh, that we would be uh, taught taught by you, uh, not just by men, uh, that uh, we would believe your word, uh, hold fast to your word, uh, that we grow in our confidence and hope uh, in the, the gospel, the, the good news. And so we thank you for these things and uh, pray that uh, our speech and uh, all that we do would be glorifying to you. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we've been looking at some of the uh, explicit evidence uh, for Moses' uh, mediatorial teaching, authorial uh, role uh, with uh, the giving of the uh, Torah uh, just throughout their 40 years. And we're really kind of seeing the scripture starting to come together. Uh, and some of the things we've been looking at and talking about also is just difference between a general revelation and special revelation. A general revelation is, well, it's general uh, because it's universal uh, to all people at all times, at all places. And so uh, the, uh, the creation uh, testifies to the glory of God. Day by day, it pours forth uh, speech, you know, night by night. Uh, from the psalmist, is that Psalm Psalm nineteen? Uh, there, thereabouts. 19, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, conscience uh, in Romans, Paul talks about how first he looks at the the creation and says it makes uh, all all people without without excuse, and that's why it's uh, only by faith uh, that that we're saved. Uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of uh, men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And he goes to talk about how the creation uh, reveals the, the creator. And so when people sin and rebel against that light that they do have, they're without excuse. And uh, he goes on in chapter 2 to talk about uh, the, uh, the Jews, they have the, the law, the Torah, but Gentiles and all people have have the Torah, uh, the law, written on their hearts. Uh, even as dull and as uh, cauterized as our consciences uh, become, uh, we still all violate the consciences that God has given us. Uh, and so that's a testimony uh, in the hearts of all people at all times, at all places, uh, that reveals God. Uh, all of creation uh, reveals God. Uh, as we were talking about whether you have someone looking through a microscope or someone living in a jungle or a village or the city uh, or if they're uh, seeing images from the Hubble uh, telescope, uh, all creation at all times, all places, uh, it, it speaks uh, about the creator. Uh, it gives evidence uh, God hasn't left himself without a, a witness. Uh, all, of, all of heaven and all of earth uh, testify that he's the creator. And so, uh, conscience and creation, but then special revelation uh, is specific uh, to a specific audience, people, 
at specific times in specific places. And you can have inscripturated uh, special revelation in scripture, uh, written, written down, uh, God breathed scripture from God's authoritative apostles and prophets, and uninscripturated. Uh, so maybe uh, there are miracles that God has performed uh, that were at a specific time, specific place for a specific audience. Well, we can't directly see those miracles today, but many of them are written down in scripture. Uh, and Jesus, all of the things he did, all of the uh, the works, all that he spoke, as uh, the apostle John says, if everything was written down, the world couldn't contain it. You know, uh, all, the, all the books that would have to be written. And so there were miracles uh, that he performed, uh, his speaking, uh, his work uh, that uh, revealed God uh, and revealed his person and work. Uh, and even all of the prophets, Moses, uh, the miracles that were performed, uh, Ezekiel uh, was almost kind of, some of the things God had him do was almost like public theater, uh, theatrical acts that he would do uh, in the city and you have kind of like a model of the city and the things he ate and the small rations. Uh, and God even took away his voice and would only allow him to speak uh, when he delivered his word. And so some of the things, it was almost kind of like public improv theater that was assigned to the people. Uh, kind of a, uh, yeah, professor would say, kind of like an object lesson uh, for, the, uh, for the people to uh, to learn from, a kind of a visible parable uh, for them, and also the prophets just vocally speaking to them. Uh, and we've seen, as we're looking at some of the evidence, that at Mount Sinai, uh, third month, uh, third day, uh, God spoke audibly to the people. Uh, he spoke his ten words, and they saw a theophany of lightning and fire and smoke and darkness thick cloud around Mount Sinai and even uh, earthquake and tremors uh, around them and God spoke his ten words directly to the people and then they uh, in terror uh, they told Moses no longer have God speak to us uh, but have him speak to you you tell us we'll listen uh, they, they couldn't bear to listen to God and so God sp spoke audibly but then uh, you keep reading uh, into what were the ten words Oh, well, sometimes uh, Jews often call the, the Ten Commandments the Ten Words oh. uh, because uh, at, at times, especially in uh, Hebrew, you'll see it referred to the Ten Words, uh, but you also have the, the Ten Commandments, so it can be used kind of interchangeably. So that was all spoken out loud, all yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, audibly, that. yeah, okay. yeah. And with the trumpets and everything that they, they heard, and that's why they were so so terrified. And so you think of... Uh, God also uh, revealed himself on a mountain in his glory, well, later to Moses, which is also special revelation. Not everyone sees God's glory on Mount Sinai. <laughs> he later did that for uh, Elijah, after Elijah uh, ran away from uh, Jezebel uh, and Ahab, uh, and he spent 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness, went up on Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, uh, two names they're used for it, and God uh, manifested himself and spoke to Elijah. And then the New Testament, uh, Jesus goes up on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration and his garments uh, become whiter than any, any bleach could, could produce, uh, any, uh, any white cloth or linen uh, could produce. And 
he's in a blaze of glory and who appears, uh, who, who uh, God had revealed his glory to Moses and Elijah. Oh, I never put that and now, now they're on the mountain and they see the glory of God in the face of Christ, basically. Uh, kind of how Paul talks about like with uh, regeneration, uh, with the, the word as the gospels preached, as God raises dead sinners to life. Uh, they see the, the glory of God in, in the face of Christ in the very message of the, the gospel. Uh, and so uh, God had spoken with them and manifested his glory on Mount Sinai uh, in Moses' day, Elijah's day. And now Jesus manifests his glory to Moses and Elijah and speaks with them face to face. <laughs> so it's absolutely, absolutely stunning. And you'll have uh, you know, scholars like Bart Ehrman and such and like, well, you know, they, they think that Mark was written first. And, you know, Mark, uh, I also remember uh, uh, Peter J. Williams, who's a, a conservative, uh, Bible-believing uh, evangelical scholar. Uh, I think it was him. He was saying, well, you know, first first they saw Jesus was special. And then they, they thought he was really special. And then, you know, they began to think he is really, really, really special. <laughs> you know, just over time, over the centuries, okay, now he's suddenly, you know, we worship him as God. And uh, Mark, you know, Mark had a lower view. And yeah, okay, Matthew and Luke, there are some things that are kind of, um, you know, uh, Jesus is uh, someone greater than the temple is here. <laughs> Who's that other than the one who dwells in it? You know, uh, but... Uh, I mean, in Mark, like all of these things, they think it's the earliest and has kind of the lowest view of Jesus, but um, he appears in a blaze of glory to them and speaks to them face to face and uh, he has authority to forgive sins and he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And what man would ever say anything like that? None of the prophets ever claimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, only there, there, was, there was Yahweh. And so... We've been looking at some of this special revelation, but then Moses uh, took those words and he wrote them down and wrote down the book of the covenant, uh, which uh, you find the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, but then uh, 21 through 23, you have the, the book of the covenant, which gives some more specific uh, stipulations, commandments, laws uh, to uh, instruct the people. Uh, God is their king. Uh, he establishes a, a covenant uh, which sets up uh, their uh, legal relationship uh, with one another uh, and to uh, obey God as their king who's uh, redeemed them out of out of Egypt and so Moses writes uh, these things down uh, and we had uh, looked at that in uh, past weeks so classes are online if, if you missed anything and want to go back but Moses writes uh, these words down in the book of the covenant and then he speaks them to the people, uh, and they have the uh, sacrifices and sprinkling of the blood uh, to ratify uh, the covenant with, uh, with Yahweh, who's brought them out of Egypt uh, to Mount Sinai uh, to uh, be their God and for them to be his people. And so uh, we've been focusing uh, more specifically, at least initially, on uh, the some of the explicit things that Moses is said to, to write down. Uh, scriptures beginning to form. Uh, and so uh, right before that, right before they got to Sinai, uh, in Exodus uh, 17, uh, God tells him, uh, write these words down in a scroll and speak them in the hearing of Joshua. 
I will utterly blot out uh, Amalek from under heaven, uh, especially Agag, uh, the, the leader ruler of the Amalekites. And that was a title that was used for the leader of the, the Amalekites. And that revelation unfolds all the way into the book of Esther uh, with uh, Haman and Mordecai. Haman is a descendant of uh, Agag, uh, of the Amalekites, tries to destroy all the, the Jews, uh, the Judeans, Jewish people. And then the 10 sons are hanged. Yeah, and, and uh, you also have uh, Mordecai is actually a descendant of, uh, of Kish, the father of Saul. Saul refused to kill Agag of the Amalekites, God's enemy, by his commandment. Uh, and Samuel, you know, what's this uh, bleeding of sheep that I hear? They're to destroy them all. And he didn't kill Agag. And so I remember uh, John MacArthur had a sermon uh, hacking Agag to pieces. Uh, he struck him down. He executed him. Samuel did because Saul refused to. Um, maybe he wanted to... Have an influential king, you know, uh, have more influence, but uh, he he kept those things he considered valuable, uh, and so God rejected Saul. But later, another descendant of Kish, Mordecai, uh, he uh, God God uses him and in, in Esther uh, to bring the the downfall of uh, uh, the final descendant Haman uh, of the Achaicites, the Amalekites. So God's spoke, uh, uh, say these things in the hearing of Joshua and write them down in a scroll. And that's the first uh, explicit thing that we're told that they uh, wrote down. Uh, we know they, uh, we'll see some, some other things, some poems and such. Uh, and so they likely had uh, early written down uh, the, uh, the poem, uh, the uh, Yahweh is done magnificently, the horse and the rider is cast into the sea as they come out of Egypt and uh, God had drowned all, the, all of the uh, Egyptian uh, chariots and soldiers under the, under the sea. But the first explicit one is this scroll uh, to Joshua. And you didn't, you didn't have Exodus uh, all written yet, but you, you see this scroll. And so you're seeing these things uh, form as, as Moses is uh, uh, teaching, as he's giving the word of God, as he's giving commandments uh, and also uh, writing things down along the way. And so uh, we've looked at the Ten Commandments, which God also uh, wrote down on tablets of stone. And then after Moses broke them, uh, Moses had to chisel out tablets, and God again uh, wrote on those uh, tablets. Uh, and the, the Book of the Covenant. And we were also seeing last week, and we'll see some similar things like this, that later in uh, Exodus that in Exodus uh, 38, as they recall, uh, you have, maybe we'll go there very quickly. Since not everyone was here, I don't think anyone, we have, we have a different group this week. <laughs> we usually have some continuity. <laughs> and so uh, Exodus 38, and we'll look at uh, verse 21. Now, you could think from, as you read later in the Old Testament, New Testament and such, uh, you have law, the law and the prophets, law, prophets, writings, law, prophets, psalms, Moses and the prophets, Moses, the prophets, the psalms, 
Uh, you might just think that Moses uh, sat down one day and just started writing, you know, beginning of Genesis, and then he wrote to the end of Deuteronomy, and voila, you know, it's done, uh, just uh, from, from beginning to end. But we've already been seeing how it was starting to, to come together across their 40 years, and we're just, we're just looking at their first year so far. Uh, all of the, all of the uh, writing uh, that was being produced, uh, which is becoming God's inscripturated written uh, word, but then you, you also have uh, this interesting uh, passage, and we'll see some others like this. Uh, so verse uh, 21, uh, these are the records of the tabernacle, uh, the tabernacle of the testimony, as they were recorded at the commandment of Moses, uh, or as I recall in Hebrew, uh, by, by the mouth of Moses, uh, the responsibility of the Levites under the direction or by the hand of Ithamar, uh, the son of Aaron the priest. Uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that Yahweh commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, uh, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, uh, an engraver and designer and embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the gold that was used for the work in all the construction of the sanctuary, uh, the gold from the offering was 29 talents and 730 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. Uh, the silver from those of the concrete, it goes on. Talk about the, the materials uh, that were recorded that were then used to build uh, the tabernacle and uh, all of the implements and uh, all of the, uh, the linen that uh, covered it uh, and the objects that filled the tabernacle for worshiping God. But just go back again to verse 21. Uh, these are the records of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, as they were recorded at the commandment of Moses, or by the mouth of Moses, uh, the responsibility of the Levites under the direction or by the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. And so uh, Moses uh, is uh, Yahweh's mediator and uh, authoritative prophet. Uh, this time, instead of writing, he commands uh, by the mouth of Moses, a responsibility of the Levites, uh, who were uh, Moses himself was uh, of the the Levitical uh, clan, uh, and by the the hand of uh, Ithamar, and so he put Ithamar in charge and responsibility uh, to uh, see over the Levites and the responsibility uh, for uh, the recording of all of the. The materials they had a vast, vast amount of gold and silver and bronze and uh, linens uh, that were appointed for all of the different objects uh, and for the building of the tabernacle and the courtyard around it and uh, the fences and such. And so Moses commanded and instructed and put the Levites uh, over uh, all of these materials and recording uh, how they were were all used and also. Uh, putting uh, Ithamar in charge over them. And so uh, we see at various times, and we'll see some more examples of this with uh, Ithamar and with the Levites and the elders, that sometimes uh, also with the giving of the census that we'll see in, in Numbers, uh, sometimes God instructed Moses uh, to have the Levites or the elders uh, record uh, the different people within their tribes for the census or the materials used in the, the tabernacle. And so uh, Moses overseeing it, uh, whether 
uh, whether he speaks, whether he commands, whether it's by his mouth or his hand or he writes down uh, or he has others write down, uh, it's all under the, the instruction uh, in teaching of, uh, of Moses. And we'll see some other instances of this uh, as well. And so he had uh, with the, the Levites and Ithamar uh, was his uh, nephew, uh, Aaron, Moses' brother, uh, had four sons, uh, Nadav, Abihu, they die later. Uh, you read about in Leviticus, offering strange fire to Yahweh. Uh, but then uh, Eliezer and Ithamar. And the, uh, the priestly covenant is through Eliezer and Phinehas, uh, from which Zadok will later uh, come in the days of uh, uh, David and uh, Solomon. And so uh, he has his nephew uh, over, oversee these things. Uh, and so sometimes Moses, uh, he uses scribes. Uh, he uses uh, his own uh, uh, nephews uh, and Aaron also uh, elsewhere. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the Levites and also uh, the uh, elders. Like in taking a, a census, you know, it'd be pretty, uh, pretty difficult for uh, Moses on his own to, <laughs> you know, record over uh, 600,000 uh, men from the different tribes in the Levites. You know, you get you get a few hand cramps along along the way. One little Israelite, two little yeah. Israelites. Yeah, <laughs> and do you think of anywhere else in the Old or New Testament where you have a, a you have a prophet or apostle, but they use uh, a scribe or, or an amanuensis uh, to uh, to uh, write uh, on their behalf as they speak. Paul did. Paul, yeah, at yeah. the end of Romans, yeah, some things, but somebody oh. else wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you think of any of the, the names of them? There is uh, Tychicus. I, or Tychicus at least delivered some of his letters, like Ephesians. Um, but that, uh, if anyone wants to look up at the end of uh, Romans, uh, you have uh, another fellow who's mentioned. He might only be mentioned once, unless he's mentioned somewhere in the book of Acts. Uh, but also... Uh, uh, Jeremiah had uh, Baruch uh, who wrote down uh, and God gave promises and comfort to Baruch for the persecution that they suffered. Uh, even the, the scroll that they had written up to that point, it was cut up and burned by the, the king. Uh, the, the wicked uh, wicked king, was it, was it Ahaz? Or, um, but uh, and you also have uh, I think Peter uh, mentions at the end of, I think it's at the end of 1 Peter, uh, Silvanus, who I think is maybe called Silas elsewhere uh, for shorthand, who is also a companion of, of Paul, uh, who would write, uh, write things down. And so sometimes they'd use uh, scribes uh, to, to write things down uh, under, under the instruction of uh, Moses, under the instruction of God's authoritative uh, prophet and mediator, and uh, you see that in other places with uh, some of the other uh, prophets and apostles, uh, is as well. Well, Luke acts as a divine. Luke the physician. He yeah. An apostle. Yeah. Tertius. And also, uh, I suppose the Gospel of of Mark. Uh, some of the earliest uh, tradition says that uh, Mark. Uh, I think from Eusebius, but also drawing on, on others earlier, uh, that 
Mark's gospel was uh, largely drawn from uh, the, the gospel that Peter preached. And there's actually, you know, uh, he probably did other research as well, but there's also internal testimony within scripture that uh, you see, even if you go to our, we have yeah, Sunday school uh, introducing uh, Ephesians, uh, maybe a couple, couple years ago in the summer, uh, where we went, we went some detail on authorial issues, but part of that we saw with uh, Mark uh, that he had close ministry with, with Peter uh, in, in his uh, uh, later days. In fact, all the way to the beginning of Acts, uh, Peter, coming out of jail, went to the house of Mark's mother. Uh, and, and they knew uh, Barnabas, who was called like the son of encouragement, uh, kind of a nickname they had for him, who was Mark's cousin. Uh, all the way to the, the very earliest days. These were very early disciples uh, into Peter's late letters uh, into the uh, 60s AD, just shortly before uh, Peter, uh, Peter died. Uh, and even the, the book of Mark is really almost framed around, you have the introduction of John the Baptist, Jesus, pretty soon uh, you, have, uh, you have Peter uh, and, and James and John and Peter, Peter and Andrew. And Peter... I mean, he's prominent in all the Gospels, but from about the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark to the very ending, uh, you, you, have, uh, you have mention of Peter and a lot of the scenes and such and the detail that Mark gives uh, seems to have even, if, if you could have a more focus on Peter, uh, you know, he's prominent in all of them, kind of a spokesman for the Twelve. So he's privy to the juicy details about Peter. Yeah, yeah. and so the, uh, from, from, to... yeah, uh, from, from uh, tradition, but also uh, for, uh, early like church history and such, but there's a lot of internal evidence that says, oh, that's quite that's quite plausible, <laughs> just as far as Mark's uh, relation to Peter th uh, throughout throughout his life uh, and such. And so, yeah, and then then you have uh, Luke, and Paul even quotes from Luke. I can't remember if it's either in it's one of the pastoral epistles, First uh, Timothy or uh, Titus, unless it was in Second Timothy, but um, he, he even uh, quotes from Luke. You you have a direct uh, quote uh, from uh, from his uh, his gospel. It might be when it talks about. I don't know if it's when Jesus speaks about the um, the plowman or uh, and them d deserving like their wages or, or whatever. Um, might be that, but. And so th throughout, uh, we're just seeing some of the, the details where we don't see everything that went on uh, behind the scenes, but, uh, you know, we see that he's working with uh, Ithamar and uh, scribes and such. Joshua was his right-hand man, and he's also working with uh, Aaron, Eliezer, Ithamar, his nephews, the Levites, uh, the elders at, at various times. And so there are some things uh, where uh, we'll look more in the, the future. It's not going to be our focus now where you have a few things, and it's like, it's a minority, but you'll have like an editorial or uh, a narrator uh, comment where they'll mention maybe a place name uh, or just from like the context where it'll seem to come from like a, after the initial conquest with Joshua. And that, that might just be the, the influence uh, of, if there's any work left to do of uh, Joshua, uh, Aaron, Eliezer, uh, Ithamar, uh, and such. 
uh, because sometimes they'll use a, a place name uh, for, you have an old, uh, old place name from antiquity, uh, but then they'll use a place name like Dan for the north. And the tribe of Dan uh, moved uh, to the north after the, after the conquest, uh, after the initial, uh, initial conquest. Uh, and so you have some of the things like that where you'll have like a editorial narrator comment they'll be anachronistic, like out of place because Dan wasn't living there in the, the time of Moses. But it makes sense if for later audiences that it helps signal where this place was because they wouldn't recognize the old place names uh, anymore uh, in, the, in the centuries that, that follow. So it helps them connect it. And so kind of ironically, uh, on the one hand, where you get like these... Uh, anachronisms and such, which is only ever like in these editorial uh, narrator, uh, narrator comments. Um, ironically, you'll also have like a place name that was from long ago that later generations wouldn't remember, uh, which again shows the antiquity uh, of where all of this comes from, from the second millennium uh, BC and from the, the time of Moses, uh, place names that they wouldn't use uh, in the, uh, the centuries and then, I mean, millennia eventually that, uh, that have followed uh, from it. And so let's go to, well, the end of uh, Leviticus, but we'll be going quickly into to numbers because we already touched upon this. We'll maybe have to do one more class on this topic. But we've been looking at, now in uh, Leviticus, uh, you have no uh, explicit uh, word that says uh, Moses wrote. Uh, now we're seeing elsewhere, and uh, we're seeing in uh, many different places, in places that we've covered in past classes, that there are many places where it says Moses wrote, and there are other places where it says Moses spoke. And sometimes after saying Moses spoke, he writes. Uh, sometimes he has others uh, write down and to record those things. But from the very beginning of Leviticus, and I'll just read the first verse of Leviticus. Uh, Yahweh called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to Yahweh, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering, it goes on. And so it starts, Yahweh called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to the people of Israel and say. And you have this throughout uh, Leviticus. Uh, it helps break it up into its sections for the, uh, the offerings, uh, all of the different burnt offerings, sin offerings, uh, the... Uh, large livestock uh, like cattle or smaller livestock like goats and sheep and uh, all the way down to pigeons and, and doves uh, for people who maybe couldn't afford the larger animals. And then you'll, you'll end up with uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel saying, If anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them, 
it goes on what to do in the case of unintentional sins and intentional sins and uh, the consecration of Aaron and his sons for the tabernacle and uh, instructions on clean and unclean, uh, ritual purity uh, inside the camp and and also the Day of Atonement. And eventually you get to the the blessings and the cursings. Uh, Chapter 26. We already cover these things, so I'll just read the last verse following all the uh, the blessings and the curses uh, because they're covenantal documents. Uh, and so a lot of times you'll have the, after the statutes and the stipulations, we'll talk about this a bit with uh, Deuteronomy, uh, you'll have, sometimes there's a prologue, uh, then you'll have stipulations, the legal commandments uh, and codes and such. Uh, and you can also have witnesses to the covenant, you know, the heavens and the earth. You yourselves are witnesses, Moses will say to the people. Um, but you'll have uh, blessings uh, if they uh, if they believe God and uh, obey uh, and keep His covenant uh, and His laws, and curses if they do not. Then verse uh, forty six. Uh, these are the statutes and rules and laws that Yahweh made between Himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. And then go to the end of 27. Talks about some of the uh, the vows, uh, special vows that they could take and offerings along with those. Uh, verse, let's just look at uh, verse 32. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Uh, One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that Yahweh commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. So where do the commandments and the statutes come from? Well, they come from God, from the Lord, Yahweh, through Moses, to the people, and he spoke to them. Uh, and again and again, we've, we've seen that the instruction always comes from Moses, uh, whether he's commanded to write down or he commands and speaks and teaches or has others uh, write it down. Uh, the teaching is all from, uh, from Moses. Uh, it's his uh, commandments and instructions. And uh, this repeats uh, throughout uh, Leviticus, and especially as you go into the, the end. It's just God uh, speaking uh, through Moses throughout, uh, sometimes Aaron. Uh, and the, these are the commandments that uh, Yahweh commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. And at the beginning, Yahweh uh, spoke to Moses and said, speak to the people of Israel. It's all framed around uh, God's instruction uh, through his prophet and mediator, uh, Moses. Uh, and elsewhere, again and again, we see that Moses speaks, he teaches, and then a lot of times he writes, or someone writes, you know, you, you have writing. It's, it's, all, it's all from uh, from Moses, his instruction. There's a lot of details, and you kind of wonder how God, in some ways, how many ways God used Moses' upbringing under um, Absolutely, Pharaoh, yeah. Um, to be as learned as he was, mm-hmm. which probably came in handy. 
And wh why would he be learned? Well, I know, I mean, it's Revelation, but yeah, there's a lot of yeah. details, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, I don't know, just... Oh, oh no! No, I was just going to have you elaborate. Throwing that out there. Under Pharaoh, he he was he was basically the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, uh, the the princess. So he was basically raised as a a prince of Egypt. So yeah, he, you know he he'd indeed uh, be uh, learned in, in uh, the teachings and the ways of of the Egyptians, but then uh, God uh, redeeming him and teaching him. And he's instructed in, in the word of God, but he would have learned he would have learned how to write and such. I was just gonna say also when it says he was powerful in word and deed, mm -hmm. and then when he was powerful, then he spoke to the people of Israel and thought they'd see him as a savior. I think it says that in one of the New Testament books, and they didn't. <laughs> and then he was, you know, so intimidated by God telling him to go back that he he wouldn't do it unless Aaron came. Yeah, yeah. So it's like only God. Yeah, here, here's, you know, here's this prince of Egypt uh, comes out and, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to give deliverance uh, to uh, his brothers, the sons of Israel, and he strikes down this Egyptian taskmaster. And then it ends up, you know, fleeing for the, the hills for uh, Midian, descendant of uh, Abraham. And so God wasn't with him. It was before the time. <laughs> I think in, it would have been, uh, God said, uh, he had these four generations uh, that were uh, to uh, to pass. And he ends up bringing up out oh, in the uh, 430th year. We'll look at that more in the future. We've talked about it a bit. But I think it was the year uh, uh, 390 that <laughs> Moses go, you know, goes out. He's going to give deliverance, you know, this uh, prince of Egypt. And, you know, he's going to give all that up and... Uh, kill that Egyptian taskmaster when the Lord's not with him. <laughs> and then, you know, he has to wait 40 years in, in exile, you know, kind of like the 40 years after after they they sin. You know, we're still at the first year at Sinai. They're going to have 40 years uh, in, the, in the wilderness. And so then uh, year 430, uh, God now commissions Moses as his prophet. Now God is with him. And he gives them the staff, he gives them the signs, he gives them his brother. Now Moses doesn't want to go, you know, now that God's with him, you know, on his own. Yeah, you know, uh, I could take it on. But so, yeah, good. Uh, well, well said. And so now uh, in, in numbers, uh, coming to the end of this uh, first year, uh, they take a, uh, a census. Uh, and there's a census of the first generation in the men over the age of uh, 20 uh, during that time. But later in numbers, after the 40 years, there will be a second census of those who came out because the men who were over 20, except Caleb and Joshua, uh, they, they died. They couldn't enter the promised land. Uh, even Aaron and Moses died before entering uh, and as we've spoken about before, 120 years, like with the flood generation, 120 years they're wiped out. Uh, at the end of Moses' life, he's delivered in a little uh, tev, kind of echoing back to the ark. His mother puts him out into the Nile. And God, in his providence, uh, delivers him because Pharaoh wanted to kill the, uh, the uh, baby boys of the, the Israelites. Framed at the end of his life, 120 years, 
he can't cross over the Jordan uh, into the promised land. Go up on the mountain and die there. He, he, can't, he can't enter. Uh, very much like the days of Noah. That whole generation was wiped out and only Noah and his three sons and their wives and his wife uh, could basically enter into the, the new world on the other side of the flood. God's, uh, God's judgment on, on the old uh, creation uh, be, before. And so Moses, a believer, uh, God will redeem him. You know, the day is coming. You'll enter into God's, uh, God's kingdom and God's eternal rest. But at that time, uh, nope, uh, encourage Joshua. You'll uh, bring the people in. And so you have these two generations, two censuses. Let's just uh, start with uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Yahweh spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, uh, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, uh, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel, who are able to go to war. You and Aaron shall list them, company by company. And there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each man being the head of the house of his fathers. And these are the names of the men who shall assist you. From Reuben, uh, and he goes on to, to list them out from each tribe. And so Moses, Aaron, and 12 men from the tribes, you know, these 14 are chiefly responsible for the census of the tribes and for recording this down. And so by the, the commandment of uh, God uh, through uh, Moses, through Aaron, his prophet, uh, Moses is prophet of God and Aaron is prophet of Moses as God appointed him, uh, they oversee, along with the heads of the tribes, uh, recording all of the, the names and the, uh, the census. It kind of makes me think of, I think is uh, Peter J. Williams again, talking about some, some of the new evidence for uh, the, just the authenticity of the, the Gospels, uh, that they're historical, uh, truthful accounts. Uh, it's funny, uh, talking about the, uh, the 5,000 and the 4,000, well, how did they, how did they count them all? Well, you had them sit down in, you know, groups of like hundreds and fifties. <laughs> and so if you have groups of uh, hundreds, you know, uh, well, a uh, thousand, that'd be 10, 10 groups. And then for, uh, uh, for, for uh, each of them, you'd have uh, 50, 50 groups, you know, if you just kept it to the hundreds. And he had 12 disciples. If they can each count to 10, you know. Yeah, I know they're fishermen, but, you know, they had to come fish too, didn't they? You know? How do you know they had them be in groups of 100? Oh, I, I think in, in some of the Gospels it actually says him sit in like groups of hundreds or hundreds and fifties. And it's kind of similar for the, uh, for the, where they appointed uh, men uh, and judges and such over thousands, hundreds, fifties, uh, and tens. And Moses was the, the judge par excellence of Moses, you know, talking about Jethro. You, you mentioned we left off with uh, uh, 
uh, Ryan uh, with uh, Jethro uh, last uh, last summer uh, when we ended their Bible study. Uh, Jethro said, what you're doing is not good, you know, judging these people all alone. You can't do it on your own. So a point, why is uh, in godly men who fear God as judges over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens? And so you kind of have this picture like with, with Israel uh, and such uh, with the, the feeding of the 5,000 and the, uh, the 4,000. You see a lot of connections. And even with, well, uh, we had a sermon on uh, John chapter 6, uh, the beginning of this year, but it's kind of funny. The uh, in Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter eleven, uh, with the uh, they they complain about the manna, uh, and they say, "Oh, that we had meat to eat." You know, we remember the the fish uh, that that we had in Egypt, and they go through the list, and God He gives them the quail, uh, but they're complaining about the the manna. Well, in Jesus' day, in John 6, uh, and, and you, you read in the, the other gospel accounts, uh, he gives, divides the, the bread, five loaves of bread, two fish. He gives them fish. <laughs> and now they want the manna. <laughs> you know, our fathers had the manna. <laughs> like, uh, that, that'd be pretty cool, you know, 40 years in the, the wilderness. Uh, and they complained about it and died, you know, in, in the wilderness and sinned and rebelled against God and and we're ungrateful, but now Jesus, he gives them fish. Uh, kind of what, what they're complaining about in, in numbers. Uh, and so uh, here, you know, we see this, this census. And again, uh, he had the Levites with the records of the tabernacle and Ithamar overseeing it. Now Moses and Aaron uh, overseeing along with uh, uh, the heads of the 12 tribes, uh, all of the, the records that they're keeping, uh, that. At the, at the time, you know, we didn't have the, the full Torah. Now we have it, you know, in, in here. Uh, it, it was, uh, came, came together in, uh, in Scripture uh, as they're journeying throughout their whole first year. And just look at Numbers chapter 4. This will be the last thing we look at for their first year at Sinai. Let's see, let's look at verse uh, 21. And there elsewhere he talks about like the Levites and the responsibilities and such. But uh, verse 21, uh, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, uh, take a census of the sons of Gershon. Uh, and here he's, he's now giving responsibility to the Levites. Uh, their census was separate from the rest of the tribes because they were dedicated to uh, God. Uh, into his uh, serving the, the tabernacle and also making sure that the, uh, the Levites stood fast with Moses and they cut down the 3,000 who sinned with the golden calf. So God appoints the, the Levites uh, directly around the tabernacle and the tribes around them. And so, verse 21, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, take a census of the sons of Gershon also by their fathers' houses and by their clans. From 30 years old up uh, to 50 years old, you shall list them, all who can come uh, to do duty, uh, to do service in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the clans of the Gershonites in serving and bearing burdens. 
they shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting with its covering and the covering of goatskin that is on top of it and the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting and the hangings of the court and the screen for the entrance of the gate of the court uh, that is around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords and all the equipment for their service and they shall do all that needs to be done with regard to them. All the service of the sons of the Gershonites uh, shall be at the command of Aaron and his sons in all that they are to carry and in all that they have to do. Uh, you shall assign uh, to their charge all that they are to carry. Uh, this is the service of the clans of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting, and their guard duty is to be under the direction of Ithamar, uh, the son of Aaron, uh, the priest. And does anyone want to keep reading? So notice we have a mention of Ithamar, and when it's also talking about like uh, appointing and such and assigning, uh, numbering, it's the same language where they have the census, uh, and sometimes it says record. And so sometimes they can appoint them to certain things, but oftentimes it will also be recorded to keep track of who's responsible uh, over, over what. And we'll see that as we go through to the end. Uh, but uh, Ryan, would, would you maybe read uh, verse 29 through 33? Sure. Is it pronounced Merari? Yeah, Merari. Merari, okay. As for the sons of Merari, you shall list them by their clans and their father's houses from 30 years old and up to 50 years old. You shall list them. Everyone who can come on duty to do the service of the tent of meeting. And this is what they are charged to carry as the whole of their service in the tent of meeting. The frames of the tabernacle with its bars, pillars, and bases, and the pillars around the court with their bases, pegs, and cords, with all their equipment and all their accessories. And you shall list by name the objects that they are required to carry. This is a service of the clans of sons of Merari the whole of their service in the tent of meeting under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So again, you have this, this listing, appointing, uh, for how all of the, the Levites, for Gershon, for Merari, and others, uh, Kohath uh, was earlier and uh, mentioned, Eliezer, Ithamar's uh, brother, uh, sons of Aaron, it's under the direction or by the hand of Ithamar, who is responsible uh, over all of this, uh, let's see, verse 3, 4, And Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of the congregation listed the sons of the Kohathites by their clans and their fathers' houses. From 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting, and those listed by clans were 2,750. Uh, this was the list of the clans of the Kohathites, all who served in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of Yahweh by Moses. And maybe again by, by the mouth of Moses, you'll often say, um, or uh, by, by Moses. And so Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of the congregation, along with Eliezer, Ithamar, and their responsibilities, listing and recording uh, all of these things. And so uh, Moses had uh, help. Uh, he had uh, scribes in his nephews, and Joshua was his assistant, and Aaron his prophet, and uh, Ithamar and Eliezer uh, for teaching, uh, for speaking to the people, uh, but also 
for recording uh, and writing uh, all of these uh, these things things down along the way. And again, we see Ithamar, uh, just like back in Exodus, with the records of the of the tabernacle. And this is just their uh, their first year. And then look at verse forty six to the end of the chapter. Uh, after they uh, list uh, the other clans, uh, Kohath, Gershon, Merari. Uh, all those who were listed of the Levites, whom Moses and Darren and the chiefs of Israel listed by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come to do the service of ministry and service of bearing burdens in the tent of meeting, those listed were 8,580 according to the commandment of Yahweh through Moses, uh, they were listed, each one with his task of serving or carrying thus uh, they were listed by him as Yahweh commanded Moses. So Moses commanded, it's from Yahweh through Moses, Aaron, Ithamar, Eliezer, uh, the chiefs, they, they write it down uh, under, under his, uh, his instruction. And again, and again, uh, whether Moses speaks, whether he commands, whether it's by his mouth or his hand or writing, it's the instruction of, of Moses uh, and ultimately God himself. And so uh, this is just the uh, their first year. Uh, and we've, uh, we've looked at uh, through their first year at Sinai, uh, 14, from 1446 uh, BC uh, through 1445, uh, uh, that during this time uh, you have a, a memorial uh, that Moses was to uh, speak in the hearing of Joshua and, and write down. Uh, I will utterly blot out, uh, will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Uh, back in Exodus 17, uh, the book of the covenant, uh, Exodus uh, 21 through uh, 23. Uh, that's probably the the book of the covenant, uh, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, which uh, God initially spoke. Uh, and Moses may have written down at that same time, but he wrote the Book of the Covenant and the tablets uh, that they were written on. And there are also the records of the uh, tabernacle. Uh, in Leviticus, we see more, more implicitly, and it's all the commandment and in, in instruction of Moses. Uh, and now we, we, have it, we have it in uh, Scripture. So uh, you, you had it uh, written down too. But... Uh, we see more implicitly, well, explicitly, it's the commandment and teaching of Moses, uh, but uh, it's also uh, eventually written down. And then God's com commandments through Moses concerning the, the census for the people, the Levites, putting them over, all of these things. And so just their, their first year, uh, this is just the explicit uh, stuff that's written down. And so really a lot... Uh, we could even talk about like other commandments and instruction uh, that uh, were may have been written down at that time uh, when they're coming out of Exodus, like concerning the, the Passover, uh, concerning uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, concerning the firstborn uh, and dedicating them. And some of that's in like the, the Book of the Covenant and such. And uh, you find it again in Leviticus uh, in the uh, the song that they sang when God brought them across the, uh, the waters out of Egypt. And so really a lot of Exodus 12 through 40, a whole lot of it was already written down in their first year. Uh, they still had 40, 40 years left. 
uh, in, in their time in the wilderness. Uh, and then uh, Leviticus, well, it was all taught, but maybe much or, or most of it was written at the same time. Uh, they had another 40 years as, as well. Uh, and also uh, Numbers 1 through 10, a whole lot of that was also uh, written down. And so you have massive portions that you see coming together uh, just during their time uh, coming out as Moses instructs them uh, in throughout the, the wilderness. And so that's just their, uh, their first, first year. And you don't have to memorize all that. We, we have other classes and such where we went a little slower through some of those things. Uh, but just as, as you read and you see some of these, some of these details uh, that these instructions and commandments uh, and writings go back to, to God's uh, mediator and, uh, and prophet. Just thinking about all the details of all these books. You know, yeah, yeah. And how God is, a, God is the creator of the whole universe, like DNA, molecules, all the minutia. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about the Israelites coming out of slavery, people telling them what to do for how many years mm-hmm. that it was. Mm-hmm. And just think of what chaos it would have been if God wouldn't have given them all these rules. Mm-hmm. Like every person had a duty, like the guy made the thread and you mm-hmm. know, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, later the Israelites demanded a king. Mm-hmm. But before that, God was their king. Yeah. You know, they yeah. were, and God used Moses and all these other people, mm-hmm. detailed, you know, all the details mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, we'll see, like with the, the Torah, the Torah that was given, kind of like as Paul talks about, uh, is is the law sin? May it never be. Uh, no, the the law is holy and righteous and good. Uh, did did the law kill me? No, it was sin through the law that killed me. Sin co-opted God's law and killed me. Indwelling uh, indwelling sin uh, is is our ultimate problem. Uh, God's law was holy and righteous and good. And Moses will even say that these things are written for your good uh, so that you live long and prosper uh, so that they'd enjoy God's blessing. But the problem is uh, that the, uh, the Torah, because of indwelling sin, God's holy and righteous and good law ends up condemning them. And God even, he gave means where they had the Day of Atonement. They had sacrifices. They had sin offerings and burnt offerings. And he said that he'd forgive them uh, for, for these things. And so he gave a way to be uh, reconciled, uh, to be uh, forgiven, uh, to uh, repent. But ultimately, those things couldn't perfect them, as the author of Hebrews says. Because why was the Day of Atonement then year after year, week after week? You know, why can't Moses... Uh, a man who knew God face to face, who's uh, that he's faithful in all my house, God says, as, as his uh, servant, knew God face to face. God even said, you found favor in my sight. He can't enter into the land, into the promised land. It seems kind of harsh. Uh, well, I think it, the more we know and understand uh, sin and God's, God's holiness, like if, if you just think about that our sin is, you know, who, who is it against? Now, you've even like heard the, the illustration, like if you uh, commit uh, a crime, uh, I remember uh, Paul Washer, I think Todd Friel and others have said it, and Paul Washer, there are things that 
I'll listen to them often. They're, they're things that I've, I've really appreciated uh, and learned from, and like with the gospel and such. Um, sometimes, you know, I, there's some things I disagree with where I think he's maybe got a little too far into uh, certain aspects of uh, charismaticism and also uh, maybe uh, pietism and such. Um, but uh, there are things I, I appreciate. Uh, but, um, you know, if, if you if you get in a fight, like with your friend, two guys like in a fight and maybe slugs his friend or something, well, his friend might not even like press charges and, you know, and if he did, you know, if it was more serious, um, the repercussions are going to be limited. But if you take a swing at an officer, you're going to be in a lot more trouble. If you take a swing at the president, you know, you're going to be in far, far greater trouble. And so <clears throat> who you sin against, you know, makes an impact. And <clears throat> when you sin against an infinitely holy and righteous God, and David even says, only against you have I sinned. Not saying he didn't sin against Uriah, but lesser to greater. You know, at the end of the day, it was God that I sinned against. I wouldn't have done it if, if I hadn't rebelled against against God. I and so that what he, Moses did. It yeah, didn't seem like it was what he, he didn't. Did he's a representative of God, and he didn't regard him as holy. Got angry and struck the rock twice, and didn't obey him. You know, speak to the rock. You know, tell, give the commandment, and he he rejected. And even Moses, he's the same one. Who, you know, a lot of times, uh, he's a reluctant prophet. Uh, he didn't circumcise his son. His Midianite wife circumcised his son. Moses was almost cut off. God was about to kill him before he even went to, to Aaron and the people uh, early in, in the book of, uh, book of Exodus. He, he was about to, to die. And so Moses, the responsibility that he was given uh, before, uh, before God, and you, you see his... You see his uh, his sins and his frailties uh, along the way, uh, but God, uh, even complaining, he blames uh, blames God. When the people are sinning uh, in, in the wilderness and in, in numbers as they're going out, why have you treated your servant evilly, you know, badly? He's not, he's not saying the people were mistreating him. It's God who's mistreating him. You shouldn't have pointed me over, over all of this people. It's, it's unfair. And so Moses, the responsibility, uh, and he, he sins against God. I mean, the man, the woman, they ate from the tree. Well, it's just a food law, you know. That's not. I thought you, you just have the you have the moral, civil, and ceremonial. You know, ceremonial is not as big of a deal, right? Well, the man, the woman, they sin. They sin against God. They eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And pretty soon, their son is murdering Cain. Murders Abel. That's what their, their rebellion leads to. And so who you sin against, an infinitely holy and righteous God, you know, how often we sin in our lives, uh, and sometimes we, we don't even, even know it, uh, unbelief and such, but also corporate solidarity. None of us lives on an island, but we facilitate, we praise, we support, this, and, and participate in the sins of others. And so shared sin, uh, shared, uh, shared guilt, shared condemnation, shared punishment. And uh, I've used it as an illustration before. That's like where Jesus says, 
uh, to the uh, religious leaders in Matthew 24 uh, that you're the sons of your fathers and I'll send wise men and prophets uh, and scribes and such so that uh, all of the, the blood uh, from the foundation of the world from, from Abel, righteous Abel to the son of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah whom you killed between the temple and the altar. Well, did they actually physically kill him? No, but by, by, by participating in the exact same sins of their fathers, they then sh become sharers and partakers through corporate solidarity uh, in their guilt, in their condemnation, in their punishment. And when you think about uh, in the United States, uh, there have been about 60 million abortions uh, to facilitate that. I've heard, I'd have to look up the statistics, but maybe as many, as far as the records go, uh, I've heard 40 million abortions a year in the world. And so if you facilitate that shedding of innocent blood, if you approve, approve of it uh, and participate uh, and do not repent, people don't know what's coming for them on judgment day. You're guilty. Uh, you facilitated and approved of, of the shedding of the 60 million just in the United States and maybe 40 million a year uh, from the foundation of the earth, you know, you, you, become, you become sons of evildoers, sons of the serpent, the, the evil one. Well, we have to wrap up. Okay. But yeah. Like 30 seconds. So well, what I was just going to say is, like for myself, I know as soon as I said one sin, one lie, one angry against my brother, I was deserving of you know, all God's wrath mm -hmm. as hell. But as far as the promised land and Moses go, it's also symbolic because he's bringing him into the promised land, which is, you know, symbolically heaven, which Jesus brings us into, yeah. like Moses. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Moses couldn't enter just because he, you know, it was a relatively small thing, but we can't get into heaven if we do. And after Joshua, you find they start to, they start to be driven out and their enemies, uh, they don't fully take the land. God left some of the people behind. And so the author of Hebrews says they got, you know, if God had given rest, full rest in the day of Joshua, they didn't have everlasting, everlasting rest. They're, they're still waiting for it. So, yeah, we'll put it. Well, we'll uh, continue uh, next time. Let's just uh, close in prayer. Anyway, Father, uh, thank you for your word and uh, thank you for your prophet Moses and that uh, you have spoken and taught through your word that uh, we might become aware of our sin uh, but also uh, you didn't stop there but uh, you spoke and gave the way of salvation uh, through you and through uh, your eternal son uh, through his uh, death burial and resurrection and uh, we thank you that we have a, a better hope uh, an everlasting hope and that if our confidence rests upon him uh, we have the, the forgiveness of sins and cleansing and uh, we look forward to uh, his return and uh, to your uh, everlasting kingdom. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, you'd come quickly. And uh, until that time, uh, please build us up in your word and uh, give us utterance to uh, share and uh, proclaim the good news. Amen.